Turn to your Bibles to Exodus 18, and if you don't have a Bible, there's one in a chair in front of you, hopefully, and if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that one with you, okay? That would be our gift to you. We would love for you to have a copy of God's Word, and uh, especially if you'll commit to reading it on a regular basis. Um, Another sermon for another day. I hope you all are reading God's Word on a regular basis. Uh, If you're a believer, uh, I'm anticipating that you are. If you're an unbeliever and you're not sure, you're you're checking out Christianity, read your Bible on a regular basis. It's big. I know it can be intimidating. Uh, If you're new at it, I'd probably start in the Gospel of John, find out what Jesus had to say. But be in the Word of God on a regular basis. Today's sermon is a little bit of family talk. So if you're a guest with us, uh, I'm going to get back on track in two weeks, but we got to talk a little bit about Coastal Community Church, where we're going. Uh, But I still think there's something in here for you, and so pay attention. And, uh, and, and hopefully the Lord will speak to you. I know He will if you, if you give your mind to it, all right, because uh, He has something for us when we open the Word of God. And uh, we, um, I, a couple weeks ago, uh, the first Sunday of the new year, I preached a sermon uh, entitled The Beauty of the Church, I'm, I'm very, and I was passionate, as I often am when I preach, and, and uh, man, I'm passionate about the Word of God, and I'm passionate about the local church, and I preached that week with gusto. Uh, I gave, you know, I preached my, I literally preached my guts out that way. I went home exhausted. I, I just love the local church. I want people to love the local church because it's the bride of Christ. I want you to love the local church. And, and I preached my guts out. And I, after the sermon, I, um, Pastor Andrew came up to me and uh, he said, man, that was an awesome sermon. I said, thank you. And he said, listen, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you a belt and, uh, and so one of the things I know about Pastor Andrew, that's, he's very respectful, and that's code for, I didn't like the way you dress. I'm like, what's wrong with the way I dress? And so he's like, well, I didn't want to say anything, right? And so I'm like, you don't have to buy me a belt. So I go home, I walk in the door, my wife was like, honey, that was an incredible sermon, man. I've been talking to some other people about that kind of thing this week. It was an incredible sermon. I said, yeah, all that aside, like, what did I look like today? And my daughter's in the other room. She bursts out laughing. She says, Mom and I were talking about that. You look like an idiot up there today. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, why did you let me go in the house looking like this? You know? And, um, and so we all, here's the point. We all have blind spots, right? And uh, I'm not really great at, at attire, you know? I, I pick what's comfortable, and so... I'll, you know, I just, on behalf of anybody who laid eyes on me the first time in the month, I want to apologize. Okay, so I was just trying to wear the new pants my wife had gotten me for Christmas, and I didn't choose the upper part very well, and, and so it just looked terrible. And so I said to my wife, I'm like, I need you to pick out my clothes on Saturday, okay? And so, and so if you don't like the way I dress now, it's her fault. You can blame her. I'll have her up here one week. You'll know who she is, and you can blame her. She would be terrified. Okay, so she'd be mortified if I did that. But here's the deal. We all have blind spots. We all need other people for God to do the work that he wants to do in our lives and through us. And so at Coastal, today is a little bit of family talk, and we're going to talk structure this morning. We're going to talk organization. Last week we talked about the three-week series, Leadership Challenge. We have a leadership challenge at Coastal Community Church. Last week I talked about kind of an overview of what leadership is. Today I want to talk about layers of leadership, why God has us lead in teams, why we need other people in order to build a healthy structure. Now let me stop here, because some of you are tuning out. 
Some of you say, well, this, this sermon doesn't have anything for me, okay? I want, to say, I want to be very, very, very clear. The worthy, worthy, holy, holy God that we just sang to is the God who gives us throughout the Scripture structure and organization. What we're about to look at is biblical, and it's important, and here's why it's important, okay? Because I'm not going to mention this the rest of the sermon, and my fear is you're going to leave here today and think, man, this sermon is just about leadership, and that doesn't apply to me, and it doesn't apply to spiritual things. It really does apply to spiritual things, and so I want to lay out why I'm talking about this and why it's important, because ultimately all that we're about to talk about in the next two weeks has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. So, the, and by, amen means I agree, okay? So, I agree. I'm with you, Pastor, okay? So, and here's what I mean by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God created human beings to live in the Garden of Eden in perfect relationship with him, our creator. But we've rebelled against God, and the Bible calls this rebellion sin. And because we've sinned, and when we're rebelling against God, and God is holy, and by the way, when you read your Bible, and there's a lot of characteristics about our God that we read in Scripture, but usually when we read about the holiness of God, it comes across as holy, holy, holy. It's the one characteristic of God that gets repeated multiple times because He is separate from His creation. He's without sin. His very nature, His very character consumes sin. And sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, Sean, your church is kind of old school. You're really exclusive. You're not inclusive. I'm like, no, no, no. We're really inclusive. We believe every human being is a sinner. It includes us all, okay? So, like, there's no one person that's excluded. We're all in, all right? And so, because we're sinners and we've rebelled against God, what we deserve is the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. We deserve His wrath. We deserve His punishment. But God is also, oh, He's holy and He's just and He's wrathful, but He's also merciful and He's loving and He's kind and He's good. And so because He's those things as well, what He did in Genesis chapter 3, and by the way, in two weeks we're going to get into Genesis, we're going to see this is redemptive history about how God is unfolding history, this redemptive plan that it all points to the Messiah. So when you're reading your Old Testament, it points to Christ, and that's what we're going to talk about in two weeks, okay? And so in Genesis 3.15, God made a promise that He was going to send a Messiah, and the rest of the Old Testament is the unfolding of this. Until what we just celebrated at Christmas, where Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the God-man, wrapped himself in flesh, 100% God, 100% man. Jesus set foot on this earth, and he lived the perfect life. He lived without sin. He's the only person to ever walk the earth that didn't deserve to die, which is the penalty of sin, okay? He didn't deserve that, but he substituted himself on the cross, okay, where God, then the holiness, the wrath, the judgment of God was poured out on Christ. Christ, his hatred for sin was poured out on Christ. He took our place on the cross as he died, and God poured out his hatred on sin. That's why Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken because he was taking the penalty of sin. He died on the cross. They laid him in a grave, okay, and that's the penalty of sin is death. They laid him in a grave, but here's the thing. Death couldn't hold him. He conquered death. He rose back to life, okay, bodily and eternally, okay, and he ascended into heaven, and for everyone who repents of sin says, you know what, I'm a sinner, I'm, a, I'm included in the sin per group, okay, and they confess their sin, and they repent from their sin, and they believe and receive the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Bible says they get a deposit of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and the same Spirit that lives inside of us is the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and therefore we have re relationship and reconciliation with our Creator, 
Scripture, and we can begin to, to, to talk about the gospel to others. That's what I mean when I say gospel, okay? Everybody with me? And so the next two weeks, you, I run the risk of, man, Sean didn't talk about all about the gospel. And what I'm about to talk about in organization is, as a church now, why when we become Christians does God just not take us into heaven? Well, he doesn't do that because he leaves us here with a purpose. And the purpose is we are now heralds, we're proclaimers of this incredible story of God that he loves people so much that he sent his one and only son and you can be reconciled and reunited with your creator when you repent of sin and believe in God's rescue plan, which is his son, Jesus Christ, okay? That's why you're here. And so the rest of this is, man, how do we organize together as a church? How do we better link arms together so that we can herald or take the good news, which is what gospel means, to every tribe, every tongue, every nation? How can you take it to your neighbor? How can you take it to our culture? How can you take it across the seas, okay? And, and so that's why we're here. Everybody with me? Okay, so the rest of this sermon is tethered to that. We want to be better at proclaiming that message, and we do that together, yes? All right, so here we go, Exodus chapter 18, and we're going to look at this morning. And so uh, this sermon series is going to conclude next week, and this morning I want to talk about a layer of leadership that the elders of Coastal have been uh, talking about really, so what, what you're about to get in the next two weeks is something we've been working on for almost two years, okay, as we've been growing, and I'm going to c- conclude a little bit, telling you a little bit about how as a church we've grown exponentially, and God has sent us so many people, so now we've got to disciple and, and care for people. How do we want to do this? So the elders want to add what I'm calling a layer of leadership, a biblical layer of leadership, and we started as we discussed and prayed, and look, we started with Exodus 18, okay? So let me tell you a little bit about Exodus 18, and then we'll read the text, okay? Exodus 18, Moses delivers the nation of Israel out of Egypt. We talked a little bit about that last week, miracle and all that, and now he's got this huge nation, and they're in the wilderness, and there's no structure. There's no organization, and so they're grumbling all the time, and we looked last week at Moses' fatigue, and we kind of laughed at that, where he's like, man, did I give birth to all these people, and I don't even like them very much kind of thing, and you know, he's growing frustrated, and we see why that's happening, because he every day gets up, and he sits at the mouth of his tent, and all the people come with all their complaints to him, and he tries to solve all the disunity among this massive group of people, and it's wearing him out. And so his father-in-law, Jethro, shows up one day, and he observes what Moses is doing, and he gives Moses some advice, which, by the way, uh, one chapter after this, we find out, or I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 12, we find out that Moses, the Bible says Moses was the most humble man on all the earth. And I think it's this that shows us he's humble, because because what man takes advice from his father-in-law, right? Like he, Moses did, right? So we could learn something there. Okay, so here we go, all right? So Moses chapter 18, verse 17, it says this. So Moses, he's doing all this all day. All the people come to him, and it says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good, verse 18. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you, You're not able to do it alone. Verse 19, now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Verse 21, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe, and, play, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, and then of hundreds, and then of fifties, and then of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. 
Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all the people also will go to their place in peace. All right, so let me pull out five points. I'm going to move through them. Here we go. Number one, all right, out of this text. Leading alone is not good, all right? That's the first thing Jethro says, right? He says, Moses, what you're doing is not good. And by the way, there's, a, there's a, I think, an overarching principle in Scripture that essentially alone is not good. Alone, being alone is not good. Uh, and, and we see this, and I'll show you this in a minute, but we see this in the Garden of Eden, and I think the reason it's not good is, is even the God of the Bible, the God that we worship, uh, we call this the doctrine of the Trinity. He's one God, but he's revealed himself in three persons, right? Father, Son, and what, church? Holy Spirit, right? And so there's this community within the Godhead. There's this unity inside of community, and, and, and each of the, of the roles of the persons of the Godhead are different. And, and I think God is showing us how to live in community, in fact, when God created the earth in seven days, each day, man, this is really good. Man, this is really good. Man, this is really good. Each day of creation, it was really good. There's only one not good in all of creation. It's in Genesis 2.18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be what, church? Well, it's not good to be alone. And so I'll make a... Make him a helper fit for him. Now listen, this is in the Garden of Eden. This is before there's sin. Like this is perfect and Adam's alone and God says, man, this is not good. And I think, you know, so, so a couple things. You're sitting, if you're sitting here this morning and you're single, okay, and, and in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says singleness is, can actually be a blessing because you can do more for the kingdom. But what most singles wrestle with is aloneness and that's where the church is supposed to make up the difference, right? In small group ministry and in, in one another's that we hang out. If you're in a small group and you know someone that's single, like make sure you include them if and when you can in your family. But being single is also a blessing towards the kingdom. But man, we have this natural affinity that we want to be with someone else. Alone is not good. I remember when I, I went to a Bible college in, um, in Chicago, and I remember when I graduated, and, and literally the last conversation that I had as I was leaving the campus, when I was riding down the elevator with one of my buddies I hadn't seen in a while, we both graduated, we're leaving, and as we're riding down this elevator, <clears throat> he says to me, he's like, hey, I just got engaged. I said, oh, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, did you find anybody? And like, he's asked me if I found a Christian wife, and I was like, yeah, no, I'm still single. And he looks at me, and he's like, man, what are you going to do? <laughs> Trust the Lord for him to bring me a godly wife, you know? Like, you know, like this was the only place on earth you were going to find a Christian wife, you know? And, and, uh, and so we, and so listen, I could preach a whole sermon to my singles, right? Especially young people, like, man, in that alone time, man, sometimes I've, I've watched many, many Christian people make really bad dating and marriage decisions being driven by loneliness, I mean, they spring, this is this person showing me, a guy, girl, showing me attention. They jump out and, and kind of, and, and so what I would encourage you from Genesis 2 is that God brought Adam a suitable helper in his timing. Learn to be with God. Learn to be alone. Hold another sermon for another day. But alone is not good. It's not good in ministry, right? Jesus sends out the disciples in pairs, right? In Luke chapter 2, 
It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two. He sent them out in pairs. Alone is not good. The Apostle Paul instructs Titus in, 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 uh, to appoint a plurality of elders, an elder team. That's what we call it here at Coastal. In each church, we see this in Titus chapter 1. Paul says to Titus, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders. In every town, as I directed you. So here's Moses. He's all by himself. He's leading this group. He's alone in leadership, and it's not good, God says. Jethro says to him. In verse 17, it says, Moses follows him. What you're doing, not good. Verse 18. And so here's the consequences of ministering alone. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you, or you're not able to do it alone. So here's the two dangers that Jethro sees in his style of, of his ministry. Number one, or letter B, burnout. If you minister alone, you're going to burn out. Okay? I remember I went through, and the reason, you're gonna, I'm going to share a couple personal stories because it's personal to me. This, uh, these are lessons I've learned through the years. But I, I remember probably about eight or nine years in, man, I, I, was ex- I was emotionally exhausted, spiritually exhausted. And I came to the elders, and, and what I did is I made a list of all the things I was in charge of. And I said, I, I can't do all these. I can't do them all well, to be sure. And I was just tired, and, and they let me take a little sabbatical. And when we came back, guess what? We organized we talked about organization, like how do we put a layer of leadership so that so this doesn't continue to happen and burnout's a real thing. And I, I want to, in fact, I'm going to tell you something. Um, you know, at the members, I'll let you in on a little insight, members meeting we had back in November at the dinner when we presented the budget. By the way, if you're not a member of Coastal Community Church, I want you to be, all right? We talked about this week one, the beauty of the church. Uh, the on-ramp to that is our We Are Coastal class, February 16th, all right? If you want to go to that, let us know on that tear-off. On the way out, drop that in, sign up. We need you, you know, we need you to link arms with us so we can be better together for the cause of the gospel. But at the membership meeting, one of the things I shared with the members, so I'm going to give you a little, in, little church insight, okay? One of Coastal Community Church has always, always, always run staff lean, okay? Most churches spend between 45 and 55% of their budget on staffing, okay? Most are right around 50, okay? Coastal's always been much leaner than that. Our, our, our first year in this building, we ran at 26% of our, our income went towards staffing, all right? Last year, we upped it into the mid-30s. Uh, this year, we upped it to between 40 and 43%, depending on the giving, okay? That's the target range, and it's staff lean. So the good part of that is stewardship of finance. I believe it's a big reason we're sitting in this building today because we've been able to save through the years and the staff works hard. And, but there's a danger to that. There's a danger to being staff lean that, that there's so many people to shepherd and there's not enough people to help, right? And I always tell my staff at the end of every tear-off that comes in, it has a prayer need or I want to sign up for this or whatever. Like every tear-off is a person behind that that we are responsible to minister to. And sometimes when you're staff lean, that there's maybe some things dropped through the cracks, and so there's some danger in that, right? And so, and so burnout can come when you're doing too much by yourself, and it leads to fatigue, right? You burn out, fatigue, fatigue leads to weariness, and then when temptation comes, the, the, the opportunity is there in your weariness to sin, okay? And so burnout, maybe you're sitting here today, you're burned out, I mean, I would encourage you to kind of sit down with a piece of paper and say, what is everything I'm responsible for? What am I doing? And then what can I stop doing? Listen, I'm going to tell you another one. I'm I'm giving you all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff, so maybe you like this, maybe you don't. Okay. One of the things I fight for behind the scenes is the calendar. 
Because even our volunteers can get really busy. And so as we grow, we have people come in. Some people have never been to church, and we're, man, I'm thrilled you're here. Some people come from other churches, I'm thrilled you're here. But a lot of times when you come from other churches, you come from a church, man, and we hear this a lot, man. Hey, Pastor John, in my church, we used to do this program. And if I just keep adding programs and programs and programs and programs to the calendar, all of a sudden there's a gazillion programs on the calendar, and even our volunteers are going a million miles an hour, right? And it, it leads to burnout. So I'm always fighting. It's the worst. I would say for me, it's the worst part of my job. I feel like I'm constantly saying no to good things. Now, we're not going to do that because I want to do the best thing. I want to make sure our resources, our time, town, church are going to what's the best thing. So Coastal, I'm always thinking about, man, what is... What is our vision? Our vision is to develop, anybody know? Authentic followers of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Connect, grow, and serve. What does that mean? I want you to come to corporate worship every single week. I want you to be in a small group. That's why we get up here twice a year and we pound, 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 pound small groups. Because if you're not, if you're not in a small group, you're going to feel disconnected. Small group is where you're going to study the Bible, apply it to your life. You're going to be prayed for. You're going to have fellowship. You're going to be cared for. You know, I remember as we started growing, people would always come to me like, Pastor John, we need to do fellowship meals. I'm like, where am I going to get a room big enough to do potluck for 1,600 people. I have no idea, right? It's just not possible, but it's small group is where that happens, right? And you're together in small group. And so if grow is small group and then serve. And why that? We want you to serve in a ministry of Coastal and we want you to serve in a mission of Coastal. That's what we want you to do. That's our plan for developing authentic followers of Jesus Christ, okay? Because why do I fight for that? Why do I get all spun up? I don't want us to be burnt out because you're also employees and your fathers and your husbands and your wife, like there's other things in your life that you are responsible to honor the Lord in, all right? And so Jethro says, Men, most of you are going to burn out. And secondly, he says, it's going to be a burden to you. Like, it's too weighty for you. Listen, I think what, what Jethro's saying to Moses, and I think some of you need to hear this today, like all of us have an emotional capacity, right? Have you ever, and I know you have, have you ever ministered to someone, when you start ministering to someone, and you, you kind of share in their emotional burdens. You're praying for them. You're meeting with them. You're counseling them. You're helping meet physical needs that they have. Like, like that, there's an emotional capacity to that, yes? And we're all limited. Nobody can do them all, right? No one person can, can do them all. And so that's why we have to have a layer of leadership so that there's room for all of us to divvy up the capacities of that and care for one another. No, no one person. And, and that's what Jethro is afraid about. Moses, you can't do all this. You're going you're to emotionally and physically and spiritually wear out. Okay, it's too much of a burden. Number two, the goal of structure is discipleship. The goal of structure is to have people growing closer to Christ. Exodus 18, 19, Jethro says, Now obey my voice and I will give you advice and God be with you. He says, you shall represent the people before God, bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Listen, a healthy structure is not structure in and of itself. It's not for structure's sake. A healthy structure is to promote spiritual growth so that the body grows. That's why he's saying, Moses, you've got to be in a position to teach the law and that people would know about God and his righteousness and walk in them. Now, this is a theme. This I wrote down, teach, and you could write this down, maybe it's one of your blanks, teaching and admonishing, okay? I think it's letter B, teaching and admonishing. It's a theme throughout Scripture, right? It's in the Great Commission. Teaching them, Jesus said, to obey all that I have shown you, all that I've taught you. 
And, and we looked at that last year when we went through, in the summer, we went through Colossians. Paul writes to the church of Colossians, teaching and admonishing. The teaching is the positive side. Hey, here's God's rule, here's God's character, here's his righteousness. We walk according to his righteousness, we walk in his blessing, we know him, you know, he's with us. And, and admonishing is a warning. Man, if you disobey this, you're going down your own way. The wages of sin is death. We want to warn you, don't go on the path of death, go on the path of life. And so this is this theme. A good structure promotes this in an organization so that we grow to be more like Christ, okay? Teaching and admonishing. Number three, Jethro tells Moses, invest in others, Moses. You need to invest in others. Exodus 18, 21. Moreover, Jethro said, look for able men from all the people. Circle this, by the way, in your Bible. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place Place such men over the peoples as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of ten. In other words, break down the organization, put leadership over them. And so he says, I want you to invest in people. Now listen, listen, listen. I want everybody to hear me here. All right. All of you that are are involved at Coastal in some way, in a ministry. Maybe you're a small group leader, maybe you're a small group coach, maybe you're a parking team member, maybe you're children, youth, men's, women's. I could go on and on, all right? Take someone with you. Disciples make disciples. Prayer people, take someone with you. Disciples make disciples. The way you make disciples is, hey, come follow me. Let's hang out. This is what I do. Follow me. One of the things that I've worked hard at in Coast over the years is to develop a teaching team. Why? And I know I preach about I preach here probably 40-ish times a year, but I've developed a teaching team. And I think that's good for Coastal Community Church because I want you to depend on the Word of God, not on the particular teacher. So that you know the Word and you grow in the Word. And I work with them and I develop them. I take someone with you. And that's why we've been able to campus because we've developed a teaching team. And now we have a teacher up in Gloucester. I have people that could go to Gloucester. We've developed that. So, you know, when you come in and Pastor John's not teaching, you know, I hear it at the door, oh, you're off again this week, right? Yes, actually, and it's awesome. So, um, but it's also, it's me teaching and developing, and man, so the gospel goes on generationally, past me, right? You need to take someone with you. Moses, Jethro says, Moses, you need to invest in some people. Disciples make disciples. And he says, here's what you look for, somebody that fears the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Man, I tell you what, if I, if I could, for me, and for each of you in here, if I could just say, man, one characteristic I wish we all had, it would be an appropriate fear of the Lord. You know why people are reading their Bibles and telling God what is righteousness and what's unrighteousness, even though it's clear in God's Word? You know why they do that? Because they don't fear the Lord. When I get up here and I preach on something that's culturally uncomfortable, where a lot of people go, whoa, I disagree with that. I'm, I may do that next week, actually. Okay? When I do this, because I, I'm submitting myself to the Word of God because I fear the Lord. I, I, you may get up and leave. I don't want that to happen, but I don't, at the end of the day, fear you. I don't fear the culture. I fear the Lord. I can't bend off His Word because I fear the Lord. 
And I want that for you. I want you to feel, I want my, I tell my kids, I was like, if I could leave, if you could leave, as you grow to leave my house, if you could just have one thing, it'd be fear of the Lord. Listen, I get it. I get the tension in scripture because I know some of y'all, like, no, no, the Bible says, you know, Abba, Fa, Daddy, we didn't call him Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And, and yes, 100% true. I think these are two tensions in scripture, right? And we do get to pray. And Jesus taught us to pray by saying, Daddy. But I also think we have, as a culture as a whole, we've lost this idea, man, God is awesome. And he's holy, and I don't deserve to be in his presence. And, and his word stands, and we don't get to manipulate it, and who are we to change it? He is God. I'm not appropriate fear of the Lord. And, and Jethro says it here, and Paul says it later. Find people as you disciple that ultimately, the beginning, is the fear of the Lord. Number two, okay? Uh, and we'll skip Proverbs 9, but Proverbs 9 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, okay? Trustworthy. Find men are trustworthy, Jethro says. In other words, character. We talked about that last week. Find people you can trust. Letter C, or number three, the kind of people we invest in, the people that hate a bribe, okay? In other words, Jethro is saying to Moses, the people that, that are not lovers of money. You know, they're not, and by the way, I, and I correct people all the time on this. I hear this way too much out of what I know are really good Christian people, right? A lot of times you'll hear really good Christian people say, oh, I know what the Bible says. Money is the root of all evil, right? Have you ever heard people say that? No, it's, it's, that's not right, okay? And by the way, like, you know, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago when I talked about the love of the church. Like, we're sitting in this location on the spot because a lot of people were super generous with their money. It's the love of money. It's when, lo- when money captures our hearts more than Christ. And the truth is, anything that captures our hearts more than Christ is an idol that needs to be repented of. It could be your addiction. It could be your internet use. It could be a relationship that's leading you away from God. And there's all kinds of idols in our hearts, and we live in a materialistic society. And I will tell you this about money. One of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons I give a tenth of my money to the local church or I tithe is because I want to look at my own heart, my own, I fear the Lord, I fear my own sin nature and say, man, I can get greedy like anybody else. And so one of the things that helps me not, and greed's one of those things that's hard to measure, right? How do I know if I'm being greedy? I, it's hard to tell, you know? And so one of the ways that I measure is I tithe because it's kind of a, it's me taking aim at my own greed and shooting an arrow at it and saying, I'm making sure I'm depending on the Lord above all else, yes? And so I want to encourage you to grow in that area and know what it means to fear the Lord, even in your finances. He's the one that provides. And we see this kind of the same list of qualifications in Timothy 3, where Paul surely knows Exodus 18, right, as he's writing to young Timothy about the kind of man to lead a church, right? And in 1 Timothy 3, 2, he says, therefore, an overseer, an elder, same word for elder or pastor, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into the disgrace and the snare of the devil. The same idea, if you're going to invest in people, look for spiritual, godly people to invest your, pour your life into so the gospel goes from one generation to the next. Number four, fourth thing, layered leadership that Jethro brings to Moses. He says, work in your area of strength. Listen, 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 listen. I know a lot of you have checked out right now. Okay, check back in. Okay, uh, this, if I, man, if I could give one leadership principle that's probably helped me more than any, it's this. It's the idea of giving the bulk of your life 
to the area of strength where God has created you and gifted you and talented you, all right? You, every single one of you has time, talent, and treasure, right? And so, and, and so you've been created in certain areas that, that, you're, that God has made you really to be good at for the benefit of the local church and for the gospel to go forward. And this is one I had to learn. So Exodus 18, verse 22, Jethro says to Moses, says, let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matters they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. And so, and so one of the things that I've had to ask myself is, is what is it that, that I have to touch and what don't I have to touch? And I would encourage you, God has created you with giftings, things you're really good at. And, like, and, and so I think what a lot of us do is, man, I have this area of strength, but I'm really weak over here. So I'm going to spend all my time over here in the area of weakness. We spend time, 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 time on weakness, try to show up our weaknesses. And I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I think, especially in church life, we're supposed to er- work in our areas of strength, okay, and then let God equip around us in our area of weakness so that we can spend the bulk of our time. And that's why we need each other. That's why the neighbor, the person behind Behind you, person you're sitting next to is necessary for this church. It makes us more complete for the cause of the gospel, but you should be functioning in your area of strength for the good of the church. And that's why we function at, in, in team ministries at Coastal, okay? And so here's what, I'm, again, a little backside of Coastal, all right? We have the elder team, and the elder team, we work together and we're responsible for the vision and the direction and the doctrine and the protection of the church. Under that, or kind of, yeah, under that, I guess, under the umbrella of that protection, we have the executive team, okay? The executive team is myself, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Joey, and Bethany Lay. That team runs the day-to-day operations of the church, and every single ministry or staff member is tied to one of those executive team members, okay? So you see a little structure, a little picture of the church, all right? And, and so, and we do that so that we're better together serving as a team. I love serving as a team. I wouldn't have it another way. I would encourage you, serve in teams, all right? So, because you need other people around you to help you in your areas of blind spots so you don't dress weird on Sunday morning, okay? You need that. And so some of you dressed weird this morning, all right? I'm going to point you out afterwards. Just kidding. And so, you know, you need someone to help you. And I love team ministry. And Jethro says to Moses, he says, work in your strength, but develop a team around you to help carry the burden, all right? And I'll tell you, as, as Coastal grows, and this, is, this has been weird for people throughout the years, I remember when we were like church at like 300 and we were growing through that really, really quickly and we got the parking team going. I got to go out and get, Sean's going along again. And so uh, they're heading out to get the cars parked. Uh, but I remember as we were growing really fast, I would have people come to me all the time and be like, you know, Pastor Sean, do you know what's the, they named some ministry, do you know where I should put this? I'm like, I, I have no idea, okay? And they'd look at me like, aren't you the pastor? Yes, and things, things seem to go better, less I know. Isn't that amazing? So, I don't know. So, and, but I know we could talk to. And so, it's a little bit like that now. Like, I don't know, but we're going to talk to the person I know who should know, that kind of thing. But here's three things, and I don't have notes for this, but you should write this down, okay? Three things I love about teams, okay? Number one, working in a team ministry creates longevity. It creates longevity, right? Not having to carry everything by yourself. Number two, the second thing I've learned, working in team ministry creates relational challenges. Thank you. One person thought that was funny. I think that's hilarious. That's what I've learned. It creates relational challenge. It requires more time 
and more involvement in a relationship. And one of the things I've learned is that's super valuable to me. And here's why. Number three, the third thing I've learned. Working in teams grows me to be more like Christ. Okay? And so working closely with others and working in a team, guess what it requires? It requires me to die to myself. It requires me to think through, man, what, not my idea. What's the best idea? Does the best idea to one. It doesn't matter who gets the credit for a good idea. It requires that I work humbly with others. And, and, and this process of sometimes, man, we have a relationship and we don't get along very well and I've got to ask forgiveness or I say something I shouldn't or you hurt my feelings. It requires an extra coffee. Hey, are we okay? It requires forgiveness. And, and submission and humility and walking in righteousness, which guess what that does? It makes me more like Christ, which by the way, that's why husbands and wives, God brought you a spouse. Your spouse is not to make you happy. Please stop going home and saying, you don't make me happy anymore. Your spouse was brought alongside of you to make you more like Jesus, to make you holy. Stop worrying about your happiness. I'm not happy. Great. God is using that to teach you to depend on Christ. Amen? Amen? Your spouse is there to make you holy, not happy. No one's talking about that. You need other people. And other people make you more like Christ, which is ultimately the goal, yes? It's ultimately the goal. So I need my team. If no other reason, then to frustrate me so I can be more like Jesus, okay? No, they don't frustrate me. And the funny thing is, the more we work together, the more joy we have together. And we, I think we, my teams genuinely love when another person does well and another person succeeds, okay? And then the results of a healthy structure. Here it is. And we'll go through this really quick. Exodus 18, 23. Jethro says, if you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place to peace. Three things if you build a healthy structure and do it God's way. Number one, God's with you. God will direct you. Organization is God's idea. Teamwork is God's idea. Needing one another is God's idea. And when we do that, when we use different people and different abilities and different gifting, God displays his glory and his fame. There's no one-man show in the church. The only one-man show is Jesus Christ. He's the head of his church, and he distributes gifts and talents to be used together to serve for the spread of the fame of his glory. Amen? Amen. There you go. Number two, longevity. Longevity. The result of a healthy start is longevity. It's not a marathon. It's a, I mean, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. All right? So if you're burnt out, I would encourage you to say, man, am I leaning into the people around me that God has given to help me? And then number three, there's unity, a good structure for unity in the community. All right? Jethro says they're going to go in peace. They're going to go. They're gonna, there's going to be peace in your community, Moses. And so with that, here's my conclusion. All right? I'm going to skip Acts 6. We're going to look at that next week, Steve. Um, Here's my conclusion this morning, okay? Here's a little family talk. This is not going to be one of these conclusions where everybody's going to cry and there's going to be this big holy moment, but, um, and then we're going to sing, okay? So here's the conclusion, okay? Coastal, uh, I've been the pastor of Coastal for 18 years, so if I've been your pastor for 18 years, I'm sorry, okay? You've had to endure, so I'm here for your holiness, not your happiness. And so, um, uh, for 18 years, we've grown, and, and in the last nine years, um, we've, we've grown exponentially. I mean, it's been unbelievable. And, and I want you to know that myself, and the elders, the pastors, the staff, the leaders of the church, like we, 
I am so humbled that God would send people here for us to shepherd. That is the most sacred of all trust. If you're here today, this is your home church, I'm so, so humbled you're here, and I really, really mean that. I I can't believe how many people the Lord has allowed us to steward and shepherd with His Word and with community. But the elders with this growth have been discussing, man, God, how do we handle the people that you've given us? We have we have two campuses now. We have five corporate worship services. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had over 1,600 people attend. Most of our Easter's and, and, and Christmases are well into the 2000s. Like, Lord, how do we, how do we handle the people that you're sending us? There's, there's more, there's eight, 70 to 80 small groups and more ministries and missions than I could na- name. If I started trying to name one, I'd forget someone. So, so the elders, we've been looking at the scriptures and, and we've said, Lord, how do we handle this? How do we grow this? this. And, and so we've concluded that there is a biblical layer of leadership that we need to formally recognize, all right? And so, so here's the big so what, okay? Next week, I'm going to announce to you our plan over the next two years to, recognize, to train, recognize, and implement a deacon ministry at Coastal Community Church, okay? Um, and so, here's what you need to know. There's already people at Coastal functioning that way, all right? Uh, but next week, we're going to open the Scriptures. We're going to look at this. We're, I'm going to walk you through it, and then we're going to tell you, man, here's the plan to do that. And, and the reason we want to do that, okay, I want to tether it back to what I said at the beginning. The reason we want to do this, one, it's biblical, but two, it's for the furthering of the gospel. Yes? Okay, amen. There's your, there it is. Not a very exciting conclusion, is it? Um, <clears throat> so that's next week. And so next week, what we're going to be looking at is the who the what, the why of deacons, and then how we anticipate, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How we anticipate um, implementing deacons into the body life of Coastal and how we'll eventually recognize them publicly. So you'll go, oh, that's who, that, I know who that is. Okay, good? All right, there we go. I Listen, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited about what God's doing in the life of Coastal. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. Listen, I'm going to close with prayer. Uh, I want to let you know if you're here this morning and you have a heavy burden, um, we have a prayer team that's always available to you at the prayer chapel. Don't leave here not, being pray- not praying with someone if you have a need, okay? Our prayer team's here to serve you. Our prayer chapel's right out back here. Uh, let us know. We want to pray with you. And then we're going to go out singing God, uh, God is Good, right? Uh, what's the song we're singing again? I, don't, I can't think of the title. Joey, you're here. What's it called? Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. All right. And here's what I love about this song. Besides it's upbeat and we love to clap to it. Sometimes life is hard and I have to be reminded that the Lord is good. Right. And so maybe that's where you are. And so if you need prayer, lean in our prayer team. But our Lord is good and he is moving all things together till its final redemptive history where we will fully see how good he is. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this church body, and you truly are good, and even the structure that you've given us is good. And, uh, and this is a little bit administrative today, God, but you're a God of order. You're not a God of disorder. You're a God of order, and you've created order, and you've, you've given us order, and you've, you've told us how to... Um, have layers of leadership for the good of the church. And so, uh, and so, and ultimately, that's for the good of the heralding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we want to go to the corners of the earth until our faith becomes sight. I want to pray for the person that came in this morning. They're hurting, God, and they, they need to be reminded that you're good, that you're near to them. You're near to the brokenhearted. I pray that you would bring comfort. And, God, that maybe coastal.